Could I have a few of you raise your hands? It's the kind of church that... Okay, I was going to say, I thought, suddenly I thought this might be the kind of church where people didn't raise their hands, but there were a couple of people that raised their hands. Okay, so I'm going to pick over here. Oh, now, now nobody raises their hands? You know, if I was doing this with kids, they would be dislocating arms trying to raise their hands so that I would pick them. Okay, I'm going to pick people that, that didn't raise their hands yet. So I'm going to pick right here and right there and right there and back there. Yep, Paul. And over here and right there and right here. Okay, so now. For the rest of the sermon, those of you that I have picked, that I have selected, you are the chosen people. Okay? Anybody want to raise your hand now? (laughs) You are the chosen people for the, for the rest of this service. Isn't it interesting though? As soon as I say those two words, I pick. I pick. Suddenly, this fear, anticipation, excitement raises up in us. Oh, I hope he picks me. I hope he doesn't pick me. That's the way it has always been from the time that you were out on the playground and we were picking teams, right? Oh, I hope they pick me. I don't want to be left out. I want to be special. I want to be included. I want to be the one that is part of those select few. I want to be picked. Heaven forbid I would be at the back half or not picked at all, Right? Or when the teacher is asking for volunteers and says, oh, pick me, pick me, pick me. I want to be special. I want to be chosen. Right? But when I ask that, that here, I mean, people are going, I don't really know. We're talking about engaging this Sunday. I'm not volunteering for nothing. Not until I see what it is. Not until I know what's going on. But, but there are those people, those ones that have been chosen, the ones who have been selected, and then there are the ones who haven't been selected. And as we're looking at 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 6 this morning, we see these two groups of people. We see the ones who are chosen and the ones who are not chosen. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 6, it says this, For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in, in Zion a stone, A cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to to do. But you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. There's this distinction here between those who have been chosen, those who have been selected by God, and those who have not. Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for those of you who believe. 
At, at the beginning of the book of First Peter, Peter is writing, and this is what he says. We read this at the beginning of, of the service, but I just want to refresh your memory. In First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. If you have been chosen by God, selected by Him, this is what you have been called to. This is what you've been called to. Born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You've been called by God to a living, eternal hope that is provided to you as you believe by the resurrection of Jesus Christ to the, from the dead. It's to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven, guarded by God for you through your faith. For that salvation that's ready to be revealed at the right time. That's what's happening. That's what, when he's then in First Peter 2, what he's saying is, so this is that faith, right? This is that cornerstone. Jesus is that cornerstone that your faith is built on. He's that hope that you're looking forward to. Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. There is this honor that is put in being included among God's chosen people. You have been chosen, selected, brought in among God's people. There is an honor there, so you will not be put to shame. You'll not experience that shame of being not selected, excluded. Because you are counted among God's people. Conversely, but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. For those who don't believe, the stone has become a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. There are those people who, who say, yes, I, I need a Savior and Jesus is my Savior and I'm going to believe in Him and I'm going to claim that and I have therefore this hope that's held in heaven waiting for me. And then there are the people who go, uh-uh, no, no, uh-uh, nope, not me. I find it offensive that you would even suggest that I would need a Savior. I don't need a Savior. I don't need that. I don't need Jesus. I don't have a sin problem. I find it offensive that you would even suggest that to me. There are others that go, okay, I'm, I have a sin problem. I understand nobody's perfect, but I don't need Jesus. Jesus is not the answer to my problem. That's not what I need. I'll take care of it myself. Thank you very much. And so just like you're, when you're walking through the woods and you trip over something and you look back and you say, what was that? This rock that's here. Get off the path. 
Right? That's, that's how they look at Jesus. They're going, get off the path. What are you, what are you doing? They stumble over him. They, they, they find it offensive. They disobey the word because they don't want to follow what God has laid out and what he has called people to. They don't want to follow that. They find Jesus to be offensive. But, but you, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession. God has said, I choose you. I choose you. You are special. You are one of my people. I choose you. I choose you. We get to be brought in, included, counted among those who are God's people, counted the, look at this, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. He didn't pick you because of the color of your skin. He didn't pick you because of your education. He didn't pick you because of your occupation. He didn't pick you because of how wonderful you are or the great things that you do or your shining personality. He didn't pick you for any of those reasons. He just said, I love you and I choose you to be one of my people. And so then, having chosen you, having selected you, He sets you apart and He says, and because I have chosen you, you are not like everybody else. Listen to this description. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for my possession. You are so special because I have chosen you and you are one of my people. I pick You. I pick you. And there is a sense when we're waiting for that, right? When we're on the playground and we're waiting for the kickball thing, right? That we're we're waiting to be picked and we don't want to be picked last. We want to be picked like pretty early on. Maybe not first. I don't don't think I'll be picked first. but, But early on, right? We want to be picked. Why? For me. So that I don't have the embarrassment of not being picked. But why are they picking you? To play kickball. Right? It's not about you. It's about kickball and we are going to win. And I picked you and I picked you for a reason. I picked you because you can kick that ball all the way into the neighbor's yard and get home runs. I picked you because you've got a big arm and so I want you to play in the outfield so that you can get the ball and you can throw it all the way into home plate. I picked you because you're really fast and even though you can't kick the ball very hard, you will get to first base every single time. I picked you and I picked you for a reason. And when God chose you, He chose you for a reason. It wasn't just because, uh, you know, you had the sin issue and He wanted to go, you know, I want you to feel better about your sin and so I'm just going to take that away and then you'll feel better. That's not why He chose you. Why did He choose you? You are a chosen race, a holy priesthood. You, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Why did He choose you? 
so that you can proclaim how awesome He is. Because you came from this place of darkness, this place of of, uh, frustration and depression and hopelessness, and He's taking you out of that and He's brought you into His marvelous light. So that you can tell people, whoa, this is amazing! And so, okay, chosen people, right? I picked you. You're the chosen people. So now I want you to with me say, whoa, this is amazing! Okay, ready? One, two, three. Whoa, this is amazing! I think there were people that weren't chosen that participated in that. That's okay. I'll allow it. <laughs> we're, we're, we're proclaiming how great it is to be a part of the light. How great it is to be chosen by God, loved by Him, brought in by Him. That's what we've been called to do. That's the purpose for which He picked you. I'm going to pick you so that you can come out of the darkness and into the light and proclaim my glory. We used to do this thing in church where we would say, God is good, and then you would say, all the time, and then I would say, all the time, and you would say, God is good, right? So some of you remember that. So let's try that. God is good. All the time. time. God is good. That's what He's called you to do. To Whether you're here in church or whether you're at home with your family or whether you're out in your neighborhood or your community or in your workplace or at your school or wherever you happen to be, you may proclaim God is good and He's good all the time. God is good. He's good all the time. That you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Once, you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You went from this place where you hadn't been anything. You were not God's people. You were not happy, you were not content, you were not walking in the light, you were walking in the darkness, you were not forgiven of your sin, you had not received grace and mercy, but now you have been chosen by Him that you might come out of the darkness and having not received mercy, now He has chosen you that you might receive mercy so that you may then also proclaim the excellencies of Him. Sometimes I I think that we think that it's about us, right? I got saved for me. I got saved because I don't want to go to hell. Right? That's, That's what you're saved from. Well, I had this sin problem. I was in darkness. I was on my way to hell. And I have been saved from that. And that's true. But why do we talk about it in such negative terms? Why, why, why is Christianity talked in negative terms like that? Well, you ought to be, be saved because you don't want to go to hell. Well, you're in the darkness. You don't want to be in the darkness, so you need to be saved from the darkness. Why aren't we instead talking about how wonderful and beautiful the light is? You're saved from this to that. You're saved from the depths of despair and the crushing weight of shame and sin 
two, freedom in Christ and relationship with Him, you get to delight in God. How awesome is that? You're a royal priesthood, a chosen people, a holy nation. That's the part we should be talking about. Yeah, definitely, I don't want to go to hell and I don't want anybody I know to go there. That's awful. But also, I want them to appreciate and enjoy how great this is. It's wonderful in the light. It's wonderful in God's presence. It's wonderful to be loved and known and chosen by Him and brought in and accepted by Him. But not just... Not just the, the being brought in and accepted and not just the proclaiming, but how do we proclaim? What does it look like to talk about and make known how good and great God is? He goes on in verse 11 to say this. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human, every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Isn't that interesting that he has, has told us we've been called out of the darkness and into the light so that we may proclaim his excellencies. And then he goes on to describe to them what this looks like. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. You, you are counted among God's people. You're his holy people, his holy nation, and so now you are sojourners and exiles. You're foreigners in this place. Hold up, time out. I thought I was special. You are. I thought I was chosen. I thought I was a, a holy people, one of God's people. Yes, you are. And you're waiting for that thing that is being held in heaven, waiting for you, that will be revealed at the right time, but hasn't been yet. And for the current time, right now, you are exiles and foreigners in this place. You're exiles and you're foreigners here. Because where you belong hasn't arrived yet. You're not there yet. Which means you're going to be a little bit weird around here. I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. As you're, as you're walking in this area, you're going to find that you're weird and like you don't belong. Sometimes you feel like you belong. You want to belong. You think you should belong. You look at the people around you and go, oh, yeah, I really want to belong around here. I really like what they have. You look at their priorities and values and you think, I think I should have those priorities and values. Don't. 
They have different priorities and values. And they're going to look at you and they're going to say, you're weird. Why don't you have the same priorities and values as we do? Don't you love your kids? Excuse me? What do you mean, don't I love my kids? Don't you love your kids? How come you don't do the same things that we do? Well, because I want different things for my kids. I want my kids to grow up knowing that God loves them and walking as one of his people. I have different priorities and values. You a foreigner to these parts? Yeah, I guess I am. This is not my eternal home. I have somewhere else I belong. You're going to walk in this place, in this area, as foreigners and sojourners and exiles. And you're going to get distracted sometimes and you're going to forget that sometimes. But I want you to remember, your hope is not here. Your priorities are not here. You're looking towards something else. You're looking for opportunities to proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of this darkness and into His glorious light. That's what we're looking forward to. Which means that the things that you do here are going to feel a little bit weird and a little bit awkward. Sometimes you're going to feel like you don't belong because you know what? You don't really belong. You're looking towards something else. But you're still going to be here. There are going to be times when there's going to be temptations and things that you're going to want to put priorities and values like the other people around you have. It's going to be tempting to do that because it's waging war for your soul. You're going to think, I think I really want to prioritize this. I really want to prioritize education and I really want to prioritize comfort and I really want to prioritize riches and I really want to prioritize my own honor and glory and esteem. And every time that those priorities come up, they're competing with the priority of proclaiming the excellencies of how great God is. God is good. All the time God is good. Those two things compete with one another and it's waging war for your soul and so you have to remember, I am a foreigner here and I don't have those same priorities and values. My priorities and values are to make known how great God is. In order to do that, he goes on in verse 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And as New Life Church, we have uh, said that this is our mission, right? To engage those disconnected from God so they delight in Him through Jesus. To engage those disconnected from God so they delight in Him through Jesus. Another way of talking about this is evangelism, right? We want to evangelize people who are disconnected from God, people who are stumbling over Jesus right now. We want to evangelize to them, proclaim to them how, how great God is. And I, I want you to know that when I say that, that there are people who go, 
that's not really me. And so this morning, I want to take that evangelism word, that engagement idea, and I want to make it much less scary and much more intimidating. I want to make it much less scary and much more intimidating. I want to make it less scary because I don't think that we have to like memorize all the things and have the right answers for people. We don't have to be able to convince people or argue people or persuade people that they must come out of the darkness and into the light. That's not our role. That's not the hard work. And so some of you are going, Oh, because I'm so scared of doing that kind of stuff. I just, am I, if I open my mouth, am I going to say the right things? Am I going to drive people away? Am I going to totally butcher it? Am I going to speak heresies? I just, I'm worried about doing this. And so they're scared of the evangelism thing. And so I just want to say, that's not what it is. Here's what you have to do. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. That's it. That's not nearly so scary. All you have to do is walk honorably among people who don't believe in Jesus. All the time. And they're already watching you. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Do you know they are already watching? As a pastor, I recognize this. People are watching me all the time. I don't even think about it or realize it, but people will come up to me and go, Wow, you really love your wife. Yeah, that's true, but how do you know that? You're new here. You've seen me for like two days at church where my wife and I don't even see each other because we're both busy doing different things. What? It, oh, I can just tell. I can just see. You can just see? I'll be out at, at, at PTA meetings or with, at, with my kids at, at soccer games and stuff. And other people will come. I just really appreciate the way that you parent your kids. What are you talking about? You like the way I yell at my kids? <laughs> what? No, I just have observed. You just uh, don't do that, please. They're already watching. They have already identified, oh, they are a Christian. They believe in God. I wonder how they do things. They're already watching you. You know, when I had people uh, raise their hands and I was selecting people, there were people around them, right, that didn't get chosen and they're just watching. What's he going to have them do? Is he going to make them stand up? Is he going to make them say, is he going to make them come all the way up onto the stage? What's he going to have them do? They're also watching and they're trying to decide, do I wish that I was a chosen one? Do I wish that I had been selected? Or am I really glad that I wasn't? 
Oh, wait, you're the chosen people? Oh, I wish I had raised my hand. There are people that wish that they had been chosen. Because they're seeing what happens to you. That's happening all the time. You are in a fishbowl. Whether you like it or not. And people are watching you. And you need to keep your conduct honorable among those who don't believe in Jesus so that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This means that you are um, both acting honorably all the time and also in and among Gentiles. Right? In and amongst those who don't believe. That's, that's what's assumed here. We're not just talking about separating and going, well, I can act really honorably in the church and I just won't spend any time with those people. Instead, we are supposed to be in and among them and they're supposed to be seeing what's going on and going, wow. Well, when you said you were a Christian, I had some ideas in my head about what that meant and I really didn't like you, but now I see how you act and that's pretty cool. I just I, I see the way that you act with integrity and I see the way that you act humbly and I see the way that you act graciously and I see the mercy that you show people and I just think, that's pretty awesome. And so what's happening in that is that because you are engaged with people and because you're acting honorably and walking with the priorities that God has given you, then they're seeing those things and they begin to praise God. Whether they like it or not. Because they're just saying, wow, that's really neat. That's really cool. I really appreciate that. Yep, that's from God. That's because I'm one of God's people. And he's getting glory and praise. Hopefully, at some point, they go, I wish I had that. And they get brought in. Because as you're walking honorably and you're proclaiming God is good, all the time God is good. They're watching you and they're going, how come you're not frustrated? How come you're not overly worked up about this? How come you're not like super depressed? Well, my hope is not here. My hope is waiting for me in heaven. I'm looking forward to something else. Yeah, but you're going through some really hard stuff right now. How come that is? How come it is that you're not just being crushed by the weight of what's going on right now? Well, I'm walking with God's other people and they're encouraging me and supporting me. Wait, you mean like a, a community of people that love you? Yeah, like a community of people that love me. But really love you, like accept you for who you are and support you and encourage you? Yes. Don't you have that? No. Do you know how many people don't have that? Lots and lots of them. And they start seeing the way that people in the church interact with one another and they go, that's actually pretty cool. The stuff I've heard about Christians is not good, but if that's what Christianity is, sign me up. This whole loving people and acting humble and stuff, that sounds pretty good. He goes on in verse 13 to say, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise the good. 
For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. That by doing good, you will put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Do you know how I find most people want to put to silence the ignorance of foolish people? By putting them in their place. That was really foolish. Let me tell you how dumb you are. That was a stupid thing to say. Let me tell you about how stupid of a thing that was to say. They want to point out and hammer people for being foolish and tell them about all the right things. But that's not what this says. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to emperors or to governors. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. That the way that we would act, the way that we would interact, would have our priorities so much on heaven that people would go, what? Look at where he starts with politics. Keep your behavior so honorable that people glorify God as it relates to politics. That's hard. You mean to disagree with someone in an honorable way? In a humble way? In a gracious way? As one who receives and gives mercy kind of a way? With gentleness? That kind of thing? Yeah. Just like that. So that people will start to say, how come you're not worked up about this? And you'll say, because my hope is in heaven. Sometimes I think that we get confused and we think that our hope is here. Listen to what this says. It says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Somehow we think when it relates to politics, it should be for our sake. For my sake. When I'm doing it for my sake, it's very different interactions. Because then I'm fighting for my rights. I'm fighting for my privileges. I'm fighting for what I want. But when it's for the Lord's sake, well, then it's just how I interact with people that he might be praised. So am I going to vote? Yeah, I'm going to vote. Am I going to interact in in politics? Yeah, I'm going to interact in politics, but I'm not going to get overly worked up about it. And if my guy doesn't win, that's okay. I'm not going to be too worried about that. I know the king of kings. I'm a foreigner here. What do I care who gets elected president? I'm a foreigner here. What do I care what the policies they make? My hope's not here. I can walk in peace. And I can walk humbly and I can walk, walk in gentleness. Because I'm looking towards something else. And so suddenly we start looking at this evangelism thing, this engaging thing, and we start going, oh, this is hard. Because no longer am I just concerned about saying the right thing at the right time with the right punch and emphasis, but actually doing the things that glorify God all the time with the expectation that people are watching and paying attention to what I'm doing. Live as people who are free. 
not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. He just gives some other, like these really tangible things. This is how you're to live. Live as people who are free, but don't just have license to do all kinds of sin and things. Love one another. Encourage one another. Don't have there be divisions in the church. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Just walk in gentleness toward other people. And so I'm, I'm going to say, are you chosen? Are you a chosen one? One of the chosen people? One of God's people? Go ahead. Go ahead. Did, were you a chosen one? Do you want to be a chosen one? You can raise your hand. Participate in this. And I'm going to say, God is good all the time. Therefore, as God's chosen people, keep yourself free from sin and bring Him glory. Proclaim His excellencies so that when the day comes, our salvation may be revealed and those who are not yet believers may glorify God along with us. Let's pray. Father, it is a difficult thing to walk day by day consistently always trusting in You. Always walking with grace. Always walking with mercy. Always being humble. Father, sometimes we're just not feeling that. Sometimes we're too tired to deal with that. Sometimes we've been, we feel like we've been doing it so long we're worn down. And so Lord, we ask, would you fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit that we as your chosen people might be set apart and distinct. Father, we pray that you would fill us with delight as we have been taken out of the darkness and brought into the light, that we might just rejoice in being in Your presence. Father, we pray that as people are watching, they would see the love that we have for You and they would see the love that You have for us. I pray that there would be many opportunities even this week for people in this room to proclaim how great you are. And I pray for their sake and for the sake of the extension of the kingdom that they would walk with you in gentleness and humility. I pray that their hope really would be on the things that are yet to be revealed so that they really would have the freedom from the pain and the frustration that the natives of this land have. And Father, we pray that whether in this place or in this community or around the world, 
the things that we do and say would bring you glory. According to the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.